0: Farmers Insurance knows that there's a not so subtle difference between the sound of a car hitting your rear bumper and the sound of a clown car hitting your rear bumper. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. Sorry about that. He He's a balloon animal. Add my information. We call that a three ring fender bender, and we covered it at Farmers. They know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. <laughs> click for more. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello and welcome to Lucha of the Hidden Temple, your Lucha Underground review for the week of January 7th, 2015. My name is Dr. Nove. It's a pleasure to have your ear again. Happy 2015, one and all. I want to thank Rich and Joe, first and foremost, for having me back on the Voices of Wrestling Network. I'm very, very happy to be here. I will be putting out a podcast for y'all once every week as Lucha Underground episodes roll out here, and we're trying to get it out on Thursday, but I work a lot, guys, and so it may be out as late as Monday, but some people are behind watching Lucha Underground. Some people binge watch, and I'm going to be trying to do more of a broader view of what we watched this week than a blow-by-blow review. And the reason I'm going to eschew the blow-by-blow review is that Joe Lanza provides quality blow-by-blow reviews on VoicesOfWrestling.com, which you can go and check out at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Hey, by the way, I'm here. I might as well do this because they've been pushing it and it's totally free and it's totally excellent. We have a book at VoicesOfWrestling.com, a yearbook, a 2014 yearbook for New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can get caught up. try to get better acquainted with the product because that was extremely helpful for me. Last year was my first year getting into New Japan Pro Wrestling. And... When I was getting into it, getting to know the wrestlers, getting to you know f- beginning to fall in love with Nakamura for the first time, it was invaluable to go through the Voices of Wrestling guide, the beginner's guide to New Japan Pro Wrestling. However, all that stuff's out of date now. That was published last March. There have been a number of title changes since then. It, that was written right when AJ Styles came into the company. If you get this 2014 yearbook, it takes you all the way up to Wrestle Kingdom 9. And if you haven't seen Wrestle Kingdom 9... I don't know what the hell you're doing. You should just stop listening to this podcast and watch Wrestle Kingdom Nine because it's quite excellent. But after you're done watching Wrestle Kingdom Nine, you should watch Lucha Underground and then listen to this podcast again. So we're gonna assume right now, in this little beat, that you just finished watching Wrestle Kingdom Nine. That was pretty fucking good, right? That uh that Nakamura guy, he's not bad. That's what the that's what the kids are saying. Anyways, let's get into this show, what this show is going to be about, what this show is going to kind of be like, and the actual review. Alright, so it's going to be mostly a monologue show, as you figure it out. I'm going to try to have guests on from time to time to break it up, get you a little bit of different continuity. And what I'm going to try to avoid... For the sake of, it would be long and I think a little boring to listen to me just give you the blow-by-blow blow synopsis. I'm going to try to go into what we saw and give you my general opinion of it. And I'm also going to quote from the book of Lanza uh, as he writes reviews and sometimes his synopsis or quality synopsis, like we're going to use this one here for Aztec warfare. Um, what else do I have on my little bullet point list? My general estimations of this show so far. I like this show. I think that this show is a delightful departure from the product we've been seeing on WWE. TNA was driving me up a friggin' wall because it just became changes and movement and movement and changes and action and movement and changes for the sake of action. We weren't telling consistent storylines. Storylines were getting muddied. We were having half notions for things. I mean, shit. Now you've got two heel factions. You've got the... MVP, low-key, Samoa Joe, Eric Young faction. Now you've got the revolution. You have two four-man heel factions in this company. You have one real strong baby face. Point being, TNA is a mess. And I watched the Destination America special on Wednesday, and it continued to be a mess. I do not regret one second jumping over to doing Lucha Underground because I think that while well, Lucha Underground has some serious things issues, not serious, but but distracting issues, minuses, let's say. I think that by and large, the positives outweigh the minuses. It's so refreshing, and the pacing is right. This is a one-hour show. There is no other, well, there's Ring of Honor, but this is a one-hour show with real production values that feels like a TV show, and I can show it to my friends who are maybe not so into wrestling, and they'll check out the show. So I think all of those things really weigh in the favor of Lucha Underground. I think there are some minuses, and I hate to say it because it's like the first episode and I would never have signed up on this sh- for this to rag on this. So don't think that I'm just coming out and want to be controversial. I thought this episode made a lot of mistakes in the grand narrative. I wouldn't say the episode sucks. I had to, like, just bite my tongue because the episode definitely doesn't suck. It's a very, very watchable rep- episode. Let me get down to some letter grades. I'm going to try to do this every week to kind of give you a sense of where I'm coming from. So, the in-ring performance this week. I gave the in-ring performance this week a solid B. This match is great. This Aztec warfare match. Uh, For those of you who haven't seen the episode, allow me to quote from the Book of Lanza and give you the rules of Aztec warfare. Lanza wrote, Lucha Underground returned from a two-week hiatus with a very excited Dario Queto standing in the ring explaining the rules of Aztec warfare. 20 competitors enter at 90-second intervals. Elimination via pinfall or submission. Anything goes. And the winner, and this is really key because this is why I think this was a big mistake. Not the match itself, but this. The winner becomes the first Lucha Underground world champion. For those of you who don't remember, right before the break, because it's, it's been a minute, Christmas happened, drinking happened, New Year's happened, more drinking happened. Anyways, for those of you who don't remember... Dario Cueto was holding the belt at the, la- the end of the last episode. And he makes this comment to somebody that he can't let that guy touch the belt. So this is going to be our new monster heel. Or maybe it's Mil Muertes. It's not really clear. And we didn't get any answers for that. But this belt was made from gold from all of the uh, different, A- not all the Aztec tribes. I, I totally butchered that. That's probably wrong. Point being, it's from all the tribes. Maybe it is the Aztec tribes. I don't know. I'm thinking out loud now. Anyways, it's made from gold from seven different places, seven different mystical places. It all comes together. The point is we're trying to build up this mystique around this belt. This belt is going to be important or should have a tremendous amount of weight because this is the company's first belt. It's the only belt available. Up until now, we've been fighting for money and fighting for honor and fighting just to settle out grudges. And I actually think that that's all perfectly fine. But... If you're going to introduce a belt, I'm not against introducing a belt, and I actually would uh, suggest that they introduce a tag team title as well. If you're going to introduce a belt, in both cases, the first winner of that belt has to do so in a way that is meaningful and impressive, and you hold on to it, and it's a memorable moment, and it's a build. Like we're on a chase, and the good guy gets robbed from him, or the good guy overcomes And then we have a grand narrative. We may either make a heel look really strong, or we make a face look really strong by doing this belt. The problem with this week's episode is that the friggin' Battle Royal is a terrible vehicle to determine a champion. Uh, For those of you who watch WWE, you might remember earlier this last year, in 2014, Dean Ambrose was the United States Champion. It wasn't a very memorable run, but he was the United States Champion. And the authority took the belt off of Dean Ambrose by putting him into a 20-man battle royal where he had to defend his belt. So Ambrose ended up losing the belt. And the whole point of doing it that way versus beating him clean is that there's a certain lack of legitimacy that a battle royal has because a battle royal is built around chance. It's the joy of chance. We're in Royal Rumble month right now. What is the whole gist of the joie de vivre, if you will, of the Royal Rumble? Well, the idea is that anyone can win the Royal Rumble, even Barry fucking Horowitz. But what does that do... It's a great vehicle for number one contender. I'm I'm not going to... I would never deny that. I I love it as a vehicle for the number one contender. You have a battle royal. He overcomes some odds. There's some skill. There's some chance. Such is the nature of life. This is a wonderful way to give someone a bite at the apple who might not have gotten a bite at the apple. But that doesn't make them credible. It's certainly a terrible way to make a champion for, for the very same reasons. Because what you want with a champion is someone who has overcome his opponent's Decisively, And the reason we hate heels is that heels cheat to hang on to their title. And the reason we like babyfaces is that babyfaces overcome adversity. They overcome struggle to gain the title. There's a legitimacy or an illegitimacy about the wins. It's hard to say in a match where anything goes... And the winner, whoever just outlasts, becomes the first Lucha Underground world champion. And one person, I I can't do 20 times, 90 seconds in my head real quickly. But someone got to sit out for an extended amount of time. Uh, Mo Muertes in this case. He doesn't win, but you get what I'm saying. All of these things add together to create... A sense of illegitimacy around a title which should have legitimacy. And I and I think that the producers really earnestly wanted this title to have legitimacy, which is the other part of this. If the whole idea was to have a paper champion then this is a great way to get there or to have a flimsy champion but I don't think that that's what—that's the story we're trying to tell here and because that's not the story we're trying to tell here that's why I gave the narrative stuff that we did this week just a stone F I mean, we didn't get any cool stuff advancing Queto, we didn't get any new characters we basically delegitimized this title like, okay, Prince Puma's the champion so what? so, you know, he's, he he beat Johnny Mundo again we we've seen that match and that match was good. Again, this match is great. Uh, you can get a blow by blow over at Voices of Wrestling. It's a very very fun match. Uh, Lanza also wrote. Um, I, I just thought that this is a good synopsis here. We get down to the last um, last few minutes here, and it I, I can't even find the spot that I want to read. Point is, the last few minutes, you know, heat up like the last hot few minutes of a match. I, it, it was it was quite good, and the there's a number of great high spots. But let me go through a little bit of my blow by blow here, um, and let's see if we can't get anything interesting out of that. I've covered what the Aztec warfare is. I've got a list of who came in. Kind of, it started off with Phoenix. We started off with Johnny Mundo, kind of establishing Mundo early. Puma doesn't come in until seventh, I think. My numbering got off. I guess I, I I don't I don't know what the hell happened. I here's another problem here's another problem let's talk about this because now i'm looking at the roster because this this also bothered me they made this a 20-man battle royal and in order to get to that number of 20 we had to throw in people like um scrawny johnny or or, uh what's his name tommy manzel or ricky manzel uh yeah twiggy ricky we threw him in superfly do you guys even remember the match he was in el mariachi was in this match I'm I'm fine with the crew being in this match. Uh, Drago should be in this match. Puma should be in this match. Cuerno should be in this match. Mr. Cisco should be in this match. Let's talk about, um, Masquerita Sagrada and Pimpernella. Pimpernella. Let's start off with Pimpernella. Pimpernella and commentary did no favors in this. Pimpernella is a sports entertainment character in a lucha wrestling association. And Matt Stryker says, Pimpernella is very entertaining. Well, excuse me, why does Queto have Pimpernella? I'm trying, I'm struggling on pronouns. I'm not really sure what the right pronoun is with Pimpernella, if you're hearing that. Uh, why does Queto have Pimpernella in this match? Well, for that matter, Like, why is Evil Elise in this match? Uh, you know, in kayfabe sense or even just in reality sense. I, not that Evil Elise did a bad job, I thought she was quite good. But these people, Masquerita Sagrada, you know, Evilise, Sexy Star thinks a little bit different because you've done the legwork to justify her being in the ring. And that's her story. Her story is that she wants to stand up with the men and she wants to fight with the boys. So I had limited problems with her usage. But there were just people in this match who, their presence in the match, hurt the legitimacy of this belt. And you could have subtracted Evilise, Pimpernella. Um, Masquerita, Superfly, uh, Ricky, Keep Mar- Achi Loco. I, that gets you down. That gets you down substantially. You're down to 15. And I think the match is still the same match. I I think it actually has a little bit more legitimacy because you're showing who's on the upper end of the card. It's not just this free for all and everyone scrambles for the the belt. I wanted to say the money, because it almost would have made more sense for Jario Cueto this week to have a battle royal for like fifty grand or $100,000. That would have been a fine usage of this episode. How I would have done this belt, just not to dwell too much on it, I would have done this with a tournament. It seemed like a really, really obvious break in the season. They did their mid-season break. You have this opportunity where you can set up tournament-style booking for three, four episodes. You can advance some narratives, advance some feuds, and I think at the end of the day, we get to know all of our characters better. We get to kind of make some characters along the way, make some feuds along the way, make some rivals along the way. You know, like Cuerno's great because it, it's seeming like Cuerno's gimmick is going to be that whoever beats him, he's just got beef with. If you get you get one up on him, Cuerno's coming for you. He's gonna get he's gonna get that win back. That's a fun way to go. You can have that totally play out in a tournament. I just, and I would like to see them do that with the the tag belts, this throwing it all at the wall, beyond all of that, the match is long, this is the only match that happens in the entire episode, it's the only thing that happens the whole damn episode, that's a lot of wrestling, and it was long, but they still edited it, and the edits were kind of weird, there were just points where we'd like, edit from spot to spot, or like, there's one time Drago was out there and he did this kick and then he somehow ended in like this magic Hurricane Rana like he wasn't there when they started it and somehow he finishes off in this Hurricane Rana. Let's talk about commentary. Oh, commentary, Striker, my boy. You know I like you. I, I think you're I think you're a good commentator. I I I, I thought you did good work on Wrestle Kingdom. I th- you know, all things being equal. The guy's got a lot of upside. You know, he, his mistakes and everything he friggin' says about women, be included in that. Um, his mistakes, low they are many, they are outweighed by his virtues. Vamp, on the other hand, I'm done with Vampiro. Like, you know, I grew up watching you growing up. Uh, and I was willing to give you a few weeks here hoping that or more than a few weeks, I was hoping that, like, he was just kind of cutting his legs, and that maybe these first few episodes, commentary was kind of rough, but Vamp would kind of realize that he was spamming the brothers like Hulk Hogan, and try to lay off of the self-indulgent sort of uh, commentary that he's become becoming very, very comfortable with doing. That was not happening this week, because apparently a lot of wrestlers remind Vampiro of himself, a lot of people do moves that remind Vampiro of himself, Vampiro has decided that he hates Johnny Mundo. I need to go back and watch the earlier episodes. I know I I, I kind of remember him not liking it, but the Mundo hate was like really in full force this week. And like it, Stryker never asked him to like expound on it. So the whole time we just have Vamp going like, I don't like Johnny Mundo. Uh, that Mundo's got a real chip on his shoulder. Vamp doesn't like super kicks. He's kind of turning into Lance Storm here with all the shit that he doesn't like. Um, one of the things that happened in this match another further thing to delegitimize this match although again, is there anything ghost a problem in and of itself Blue Demon runs in so we've gone further to sort of turn this thing into just call it, what I, I'm gonna call it what it is it was a clusterfuck it was an entertaining clusterfuck but for a belt title, this is like the kind of shit that I specifically got away from TNA like, this is why I tried to get away I, and, and I get sucked right back in damn it uh, so, the match settles down eventually to star Johnny Mundo, Prince Puma, and Will Muertes. When we move to yet another thing I was not a big fan of. Will um, Muertes gets pinned. And he gets pinned in a way that I didn't feel helped either Mundo or Puma, because they both had to team up to take out the monster. And if you're going to pin the monster... If you're going to pin the monster... uh, I mean, honestly, I would have just had... him. I would have had some sort of banana peel sort of thing happen. And they tried to do that with the uh, Katrina stuff. But Muertes just comes off as a guy who's, you know, all worried about as a good-looking lady. And Mundo and Puma come off as opportunists, trying to take advantage of a guy they know is better than them. Who's the heel? Just saying. So, Muertes gets pinned. No one wins. Oh, yeah, uh, Striker and Vampiro... um, I have a lot of, like, I, I just wrote it down as dog She-Hating. Uh, there's a lot of in the episode. You can listen. You can pick out where, where it is. I don't know, guys. Like, stop being bitter at women. You'll you'll probably enjoy your time with them more. Uh, Phoenix uh, really didn't get anything out of this. Phoenix started the match, and I kind of, like, remember him leaving, but I don't even have it written down who he got pinned by. Maybe it was Cuerno. Uh, there was a great pin on Cuerno from Mundo. Um, Pentagon Jr., on Junior looked excellent in this match. Uh, just awesome, awesome spots. Who did not look so excellent in this match was Cortez Castro. Boy, all this offense was clunky. Just wasn't feeling it, man. Uh, so, at the end of the day, uh, I-, I will say the right person wins. Uh, Prince Puma should be your champion. That uh, or Mil Muertes. Those are the really the only two people you've built to such a point where they should be champion. I kind of like the idea of the belt on Mill, however, I understand, based off of the end of the last episode, that the idea is that we're building to this monster, and that Cueto is going to have this thing in his back pocket, this guy in his back pocket, who is going to become the new thorn in the side of Prince Puma. So I'm alright with that part, but by and large, I just thought that this was a very, very poor way to determine who is going to be your champion. I think that's going to just about wrap it up for this week's Lucha Underground Review. I want to thank Joe and Rich and VoicesOfWrestling.com for having me back on. It's a pleasure to be back. If you want to contact me, you can hit me up on Twitter at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. That's at Chris Novembrino. Send me your messages, your comments. Hey, you know, whatever. Hit me up about Lucha Underground. Hit me up about wrestling. I'm down to talk. I'm down to talk. Don't be a stranger. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Until the next one, cheers. Interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Kuhn, on Total Engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.